Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This spring, the state of Illinois is barreling through its budget season amid a collection of crises. The Pritzker administration is trying to steer its way out of the coronavirus pandemic, reverse an outflow of residents, and rebuild the local economy. This weekend, we'll hear from a budget expert with some different ideas about how to turn things around. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Adam Schuster. He's the Senior Director of Budget and Tax Research for the Illinois Policy Institute. That's a free market think tank that speaks up on topics like pensions and unemployment. And the organization also helped shape some of former Governor Bruce Rauner's economic policies. Adam keeps his eye on state and local finances. And before he joined the IPI, he was a senior policy advisor for the Illinois Department of Labor. And Adam Schuster, it is very good to see you again. Uh, Let me uh, ask uh, the big question first, Uh, as Illinois, Chicago and the rest of the state are struggling to recover from uh, the devastation of COVID-19, what kind of economic shape is this state in as uh, more things start to reopen? We are out of the worst of it, um, but things are still uh, in a very precarious position. And, you know, the way I look at it, now is the time when we make the decisions that in many ways will determine the trajectory of our recovery. Uh, so, you know, at the worst point, Illinois lost about 800,000 jobs due to COVID-19 and, and measures taken to combat it and, and the economic effects of that. And we've recovered uh, only about half of those jobs. So there's still about, you know, 430,000 people out of work. Um, and those numbers are worse for minorities. They, the job losses were more severe for uh, Black and Hispanic Illinoisans. Um, and they're worse for women. They're particularly worse for working mothers. Uh, you know, working mothers had the, the added strain of um, trying to find childcare, uh, oftentimes when there's no in-person instruction for schools. Um, so that's been a major challenge. Uh, but th- things are improving um, economically. We're starting to get back on the right track uh, as the, you know, the public health crisis starts to subside. Uh, the economy is coming back. Um, fiscally, however, Illinois is in, in as bad of shape as it's ever been. There are some, some temporary improvements in certain measures, like uh, the unpaid bill backlog is, is lower than it's been in recent years, but much of that debt's just been transferred to other places. The structural deficit is as bad as it's ever been. The credit rating uh, is as bad as it's ever been. So, so we have a lot of work left to do um, to, to, to dig our way out. Um, 
and in, if, if we're going to do that successfully, uh, we need to focus on creating an environment where, where businesses can thrive and grow jobs and, and create good paying jobs for people. Uh, and unfortunately, right now, uh, our small businesses have the specter of nine tax hikes hanging over their head um, as part of Governor Pritzker's uh, plan for the budget this year. Um, aside from taxes, what are the other pitfalls that uh, we could uh, stumble into as we move toward recovery? Well, we absolutely have to ensure um, that we are, again, creating an environment where businesses can thrive. Um, that means not placing new burdens on them. So that's that's the reason I focus on, on the tax picture, because the biggest threat, I think, to the recovery right now at, at the state policy level are these uh, nine tax increases that Pritzker has proposed as part of the budget. And, you know, they're branded uh, closing corporate tax loopholes by the governor, but many of them don't apply exclusively to corporations and, and, and they're not loopholes by any stretch. In fact, they include things like um, uh, a construction jobs tax credit um, and a phase out of something called the corporate franchise tax, which doesn't actually have anything to do with franchises. It's, it's sort of this arcane uh, tax on investment in Illinois. But you know, many in many cases, credits that Pritzker created or expanded in 2019, he's now referring to as loopholes and trying to, to roll back. And it's essentially trying to balance the budget on the back of our, our business community, which again, we, we need uh, in order to recover. Um, but another challenge we're facing the recovery is that, um, you know, and sometimes workers are, are not ready to come back yet. Uh, businesses are having trouble uh, filling the, the open positions that they do have. Um, and there's a couple of different explanations for that. Well, I want to talk about the idea of where the budget is balanced uh, mm. because people uh, who agree with Governor Pritzker would say, yeah, you've got two choices. You either balance it on the backs of business or you balance it on the backs of everyday people. And given the choice, some of them would say you probably need to put a little bit more of the weight on the people who, in some cases, were making decent money during the pandemic and people who have maybe more wherewithal to survive a slightly greater burden than the everyday citizen. What do you say to that? Well, I think it's a false choice. And I think it's um, frankly wrong to think that uh, placing burdens on businesses and small businesses in particular doesn't place burdens on the people. Um, you know, small businesses are responsible for about 66% of net job creation in the state of Illinois. We don't do a great job of attracting and retaining large employers. So even more than the rest of the country, because it's true around the country that small businesses are, are a major engine of job creation, but that's even more true in Illinois. So uh, when you're saying you're balancing the budget on the backs of these businesses, that means balancing the budget on the backs of their employees who rely on those businesses to earn a living, to, to have a job and for their wages to grow over time. Um, and the alternative is, is not to put the state of Illinois' financial problems on anybody. It's to fix those financial problems, right? It's to fix the core structural issues that, that cause our budget to be so far out of balance year after year after year. It hasn't been truly balanced. It hasn't ended a year in the black since 2001. The general funds haven't ended with a, a, a neutral or positive number since fiscal year 2001. So 20 years of unbalanced budgets, um, you know, that's, that's placing a burden 
burden on our business community because it's creating debt and debt is simply future taxes, right? Because the, the debt has to be paid off eventually. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, people are suffering in Illinois because we're spending the money in the wrong places in the budget. It, so much of the money is being sucked, sucked up by this pension crisis, this monster that, you know, has been eating 25% of our budget for the last several years. And it's now approaching 30% of our budget. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that that's a, a fair choice that we have to either balance the budget in the back of the business community or on regular people. I want to protect both. And the way we protect both is by restructuring the way we spend our money so that our resources are going to things people want and need and care about. And that the tax burden that, you know, is imposed to pay for those resources is uh, something that residents and businesses can bear so they can still uh, you know, earn a living and work and, and, and create jobs and, you know, achieve the American dream. You touched on it a, a moment ago, but IPI recently reported that Illinois' unemployment rate is recovering, um, but at a much slower rate than other states in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the trouble you see on the horizon be because of that? Well, yes. So Illinois' unemployment rate, um, is significantly higher than other Midwestern states. It's significantly higher than the nation's overall. And that is concerning because if you look back at the last decade, um, I, I call it a lost decade uh, in Illinois. We're repeating many of the state mistakes we made after the Great Recession. So after the Great Recession, we had a major income tax increase in 2011. Um, we had another one in 2017. There were various smaller tax increases and, and rising property tax burdens throughout that Time. And so um, if you look at the, the period after the Great Recession, Illinois had the second lowest um, growth in personal income. So the amount of money we, the people make was the, the second lowest growth in the nation. And we had the second lowest growth in, in home prices. Um, so we did not fix our core problems after the Great Recession. Uh, instead, we, we hiked taxes and continued to spend money the way we always had. Um, but we imposed a greater and greater burden on our people. And the result was that our economy grew much slower. Um, the U.S. over that period grew um, by about 2%, and we grew about by about 1%. Uh, if we had grown as fast as the rest of the nation, we'd have about $550 million per year uh, larger um, economy, um, which would help with, with state revenue and, and also just means people are going to be better off. Uh, so the, the real risk I see is we're already starting to lag behind because many of the you know, the problems that we face in Illinois uh, haven't been addressed. Um, we've been ranked by CEO Magazine, one of the worst uh, states to do business in several years in a row. And just, just this week, they came out with the most recent report, put us at the, the second worst state to do business in. Um, and, you know, that means, again, you know, businesses are not some abstract, uh, you know, evil entity or, or something like that, that, you know, this is, this is who provides our jobs. This is who provides our services in our communities. Um, and so the concern is we're not going, we're going to have another lost decade. If we, if we don't correct these financial problems and stop imposing new burdens uh, on our economy through ever higher taxes, we're going to have another lost decade where we're going to continue to lag behind the rest of the nation. Uh, and I want to ask about uh, or your opinion about something that was uh, happening on the day that we were recording this on Friday. And that is that uh, the governor announced a, a fairly large size business is coming to Illinois. Lion Electric 
is bringing its first production facility in the United States to Illinois, to Joliet specifically. And apparently they are, they've already started construction on it. Um, this is part of an, a spending of uh, $89 million from the Volkswagen settlement uh, for Illinois that is going to the electric vehicles uh, industry and Lion Electric makes uh, electric vehicles. In fact, the governor rode to the announcement in one of those vehicles. And we are told about 800 jobs will come to the area. How encouraging a sign is that uh, for Illinois, especially given the state's history of attracting jobs? It's it's encouraging. You know, there's there's never it's never a bad thing when a company comes to Illinois and wants to create jobs. And in particular, uh, our manufacturing sector has been significantly lagging behind other Midwestern states and, and manufacturing has been really um, struggling in Illinois, um, which is part, part of the reason why there were you know new credits created by uh, negotiations between Pritzker and Republicans back in 2019 for manufacturing. because we want to encourage that investment. Um, but you know, 800 jobs is good. Uh, it'll be good for the 800 people who get those jobs, certainly. Uh, we have 430,000 unemployed people in the state. We have a lot more work to do. Um, and we have a lot more work to do in improving our business climate so that, you know, these stories aren't so rare. I mean, I, I feel, and, and I'm sure many of your listeners feel as well, we're more likely to hear about businesses leaving Illinois than we are coming to Illinois at this point because we have um, these deep structural problems. Warren Buffett famously said about a year ago that he would never invest in or um, he would never locate one of his companies in Illinois, relocate into Illinois, and he wouldn't invest in companies that were planning to relocate in Illinois. And the reason he said that is because of our unfunded pension liabilities. So we have the worst pension crisis in the nation. Um, and until that is solved, we are sending a signal to people that we're going to continue doing what we've been doing, which is asking them to pay more in taxes to get less back in services. And that's true for both businesses and, and residents, because um, while we are increasing taxes to pay for pensions, uh, the pension liabilities and the cost of those pensions are rising faster than we can raise our tax burdens. And so they're also crowding out uh, larger and larger shares of the budget, meaning they're, they're consuming more and more of those tax dollars, which means we have less money available to spend on economic development, to spend on public health, to spend on uh, anti-poverty programs, infrastructure. And so as these services get crowded out and people in Illinois are asked to pay an ever-increasing tax burden forever less back from their government, both businesses and residents have been saying, essentially, I'm sick of it and going to a state that you know, treats them with more respect, frankly. And I do want to spend a little bit of time on the pension issue and that growth of the pension debt uh, beyond what we could, even if we, if raising taxes were the only thing we did, uh, you couldn't raise them enough to, uh, to cover that. Is that what you were talking about when you recently wrote that uh, Illinois has created a pension bomb with a dangerously short fuse? Absolutely. And, you know, this is this is an unsustainable system, and it, it so we have the worst pension crisis in the nation. First of all, and and this is a, a nearly five trillion dollar crisis nationwide public pension debt, and Illinois is ground zero for that crisis, and it's hard to exaggerate truly how harmful um, this crisis has been to our economy, to our our state and local finances. Um, there is no way 
pay to tax your way out of it. We spend the most in the nation as a share of our revenues on pensions, both at the state and the local level. And yet we also have the largest gap between what we're currently paying and, and what it would take to uh, actually prevent that debt from growing year after year without some serious structural reforms. Uh, and the time bomb analogy that I used uh, is appropriate because you know these systems are at risk of insolvency. And I always tell people, no matter what the constitution says, no matter what a politician promises you, the only protection that really matters for your retirement security is solvent finances, a solvent pension fund that will be able to pay your benefits in the long run. And we don't have that in Illinois. In Illinois, we have deeply troubled pension plans, You know, almost all of them. There's a few exceptions, but the state and local plans, the state, uh, the, our, the state plans, the local police and fire plans, the city of Chicago plans, you know, all of them almost across the board are in deep crisis and, and at major risk that the wrong recession could, could start a slide to insolvency that we wouldn't be able to recover from. Um, I put that number at about 20%. So if there were a recession that caused our pension funds to lose 20% of their assets, that's a doomsday scenario for these pension funds. And the, the reason that number is significant is Moody's investor services, you know, based on early projections when the pandemic first started, said that the average pension fund was going to lose 21% of its assets. That would have been, you know, the end of the road for, for many of these systems. It would have taken a few years for them to run out of money, um, but it would have put us on a, a financial death spiral we wouldn't have been able to crawl our way out of. Now, thankfully, because of um, a lot of action from the federal government, from the Federal Reserve, uh, and, and just a, a quicker than expected economic recovery, the financial losses haven't been as bad as we expected. Um, but COVID-19 was a dress rehearsal for when that bomb goes off. It was, it was a dress rehearsal for what happens uh, in that crisis. And the federal government came with, with significant state and local aid throughout this crisis. Um, and, and the money we're getting from the federal government is going to get us through about the next two years. But when that federal aid dries up after those two years, Illinois will be in as worse or worse of a position than we were before uh, COVID-19 started. So really what they did is give us some breathing room to fix this problem before that bomb does explode. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Adam Schuster, the Senior Director of Budget and Tax Research for the Illinois Policy Institute. Well, we do need to talk about what it sometimes seems that uh, the lawmakers in Springfield aren't anxious to talk about, and that is exactly what to do. But the state has tried to do things before and run into legal problems. So what can be done to address the pension debt without breaking a promise to government employees uh, that their pensions to many of them represent? Yeah, and I, I want to you know start with that last point. Um, for what it's worth, my, my father is a 30-year career firefighter. Um, I have several family members who are Illinois teachers. Uh, who are either, you know, so I have people in my life who are either currently currently relying on or expecting to rely on that pension as their sole form of retirement security. And so I understand how important that is. And, you know, the pensioners, the people expecting to receive these benefits are not the ones at fault. It's the politicians who set up the bad rules. It's not the people who, who use the rules that were given to them. Uh, and so the solution needs to take that into account. And so the solution we've proposed is a constitutional amendment that would amend the pension clause in our constitution, which currently says benefits are a contractual relationship 
and it cannot be diminished or impaired. Um, and it would amend it to, to create a distinction between benefits earned for work already performed and the future growth rate in benefits. Um, so that every dollar a public pensioner has already earned for work they've already done uh, is secured. Uh, but we would give our state legislature the ability to make reasonable balanced adjustments in the future growth rate of those benefits to make sure that the system is sustainable and affordable. Um, because if it's not sustainable, that's bad not only for the taxpayers who are paying ever more uh, into a system that's that's doomed to fail anyway, but it's also bad for those people who are relying on that pension. And so we have a plan that's based on that constitutional amendment that would you know, do things similar to what the legislature tried to do back in 2013. Replace the 3% guaranteed compounding COLA with a COLA that is tied to inflation. And let's remember, COLA, cost of living adjustment, is supposed to adjust for the cost of living. It's not supposed to be a raise that, that increases your actual purchasing power throughout the course of retirement. It's supposed to keep your purchasing power level with the economy. Uh, and so if we don't have a COLA that's tied to inflation, um, you know, not only is it going to outstrip what we can afford, um, but you know, you're, you're giving people raises. You know, it's it's a guaranteed post-retirement raise that isn't really tied uh, to any real measurement. So, through through changes like that, through changes like replacing the coal with one that's sustainable and affordable, we could save about two billion dollars per year and fully eliminate the debt, uh, the pension debt, while again preserving every dollar of earned benefits for those retirees. Now, what we have heard from people who uh, are on the other side of this argument is that there could be something like what they call a consideration model. And that would be that the unions sit down with the, uh, with the government and negotiate. Uh, basically, a, a quid pro quo has gotten a bad word, <laughs> bad name, uh, thanks to uh, Illinois politicians. But, uh, <laughs> but essentially... We're talking about, okay, we'll do something for the uh, employees if they are willing to uh, change their retirement system. And why isn't that another solution that should be pursued? So there, there's several issues with it. Um, the first one is that under Illinois Supreme Court precedent, the pension benefits are an individual right. Um, and it's unlikely that they could be an individual right could be collectively bargained away. Uh, that's the first problem. The second problem is um, in contract law, a proper consideration um, is a choice uh, where, where you get something positive in return. And the way the consideration model as a, as a, as a form of pension reform in Illinois has been proposed is by essentially giving unions two different options for how to diminish their benefits. And it's, it's unlikely, again, that that would, that would pass muster uh, in court. The difference with our solution is the reason the Supreme Court has blocked past pension reform efforts is because of our pension clause and how strictly it's read. Now, if you change the basis of the decision, if you change the, the underlying reason for the Supreme Court's past decisions, and, and remember, the people of Illinois are sovereign, right? The, the proper authority for all government in the United States comes from the people. And so if we change the Constitution and we change the basis of the Supreme Court's decision back in 2015, we're, we're essentially giving them a new framework to work with. We're, we're telling them this is the supreme law of the land, not what you decided back in 2015. And some have, some have suggested that even that, even if we amended our state constitution uh, and essentially made it a moot issue by, by 
making clear that these types of reforms are permissible, that, that they would sue in federal court and that under the federal contracts clause, maybe this would still be blocked. Um, but there's a long uh, history of, of federal court precedent on the contracts clause. And there's cases even specific to pensions. There's one from Rhode Island, for example. And the way they've interpreted this, uh, this right typically is, is restricted is more restrictive than the state and and it's uh it applies to earned benefits essentially and so there's a very high likelihood based on federal precedent um that a constitutional amendment uh to the state constitution and then the reforms that follow from that would be allowed uh i want to turn to something that we uh that we haven't talked about in a while and that's the budget proper itself which, you know, very often the argument comes down to it's a matter of uh, cutting spending or raising revenue, and <laughs> which in and of itself may be uh, a, a false choice. But uh, Governor Pritzker, for example, is saying his budget is going to increase evidence-based spending for schools by $350 million, um, which in a multi-billion dollar budget may not sound like a lot, but it is a lot. He says that's because revenues are outpacing expectations. Teachers groups are applauding. Is the IPI uh, applauding that as well? Well, you know, increasing spending for education is is a good thing. It's um, you know one of the it's one of the most important things that our state government spends money on. Um, I will say it, it's a little bit of a separate issue, and so I don't want to get too off track here, but mm -hmm. we should be making sure that the money we spend on education actually makes it to classrooms and students where, where it has the best return on investment. And unfortunately, right now we have a very top-heavy administrative bureaucracy that siphons a lot of those dollars away and, and prevents them from making it to kids in the classrooms where they have the best return on investment. But um, generally speaking, you know, trying to make uh, that investment that that annual $350 million increase that the state has promised it will make uh, is a good thing. Um, I should point out back in February, the governor proposed not doing that increase. Um, and if the tune has changed, it's because uh, of the federal money we're getting. Uh, about $7.5 billion from the federal government makes our budget deficits for the next two years a lot easier to deal with. Um, but that is temporary money. It will dry up. Uh, there is an end date to federal support for our budget. And so if uh, these programs are only propped up by federal support, when that federal support goes away, so does the basis for those programs. So we should be using this time, the, these two years when the federal government is helping us out uh, to enact the structural reforms we need to eliminate the structural deficit so that our annual revenues and our annual expenditures actually match and are projected to match in the long run. Um, because you know that, that infusion of federal cash has, has given us a, a temporary relief. Uh, the bill backlog is lower than it's been. Vendors are getting paid almost on time. Um, but by the state's own projections, Within three years, we'll be back to a $20 billion unpaid bill backlog, which is higher than the about $16.5 billion record that we set during the budget impasse between Governor Rauner and Speaker Madigan. So by the state's own projections, in three years, we will be worse than we have ever been if we don't make some major changes. What about the argument that we've been hearing from uh, the state controller, Susana Mendoza, uh, saying, whoa, guys, that money that's coming from the federal government, those extra billions, we need to use that to pay the loans that we you made in order to get this far. Uh, what about that? 
Well, she's right, but it's very unfortunate. I mean, it didn't have to be that way. Um, you know, Illinois does need to pay down this debt. That's our first obligation. We borrowed $3.2 billion from the Federal Reserve. We're the only state in the country that had to borrow money from the Federal Reserve to get through the crisis. Um, or I shouldn't say had to, we're the only state that did. We didn't have to. If, if we had made better choices uh, in the year before COVID-19 and in the budget year that happened after the pandemic was announced, rather than relying on the progressive income tax, for example, revenue that hadn't passed through voters that hadn't been approved, rather than including that revenue in the budget, rather than counting on a federal bailout, if Pritzker and Springfield had actually you know, put in the work and balanced the budget rather than leaving you know, this huge hole last year to be filled by some mix of a, a tax increase that hadn't passed and hopeful uh, federal aid, um, we'd be in a better position now. And other states are, you know, talking about how they're going to use that money for infrastructure, for small business grants, for things to spur their economic recovery. And in some cases, you know, I know Florida, for example, the problem they were running into is that they've got more money than they know what to do with. They didn't know how to spend it all. Um, and so Illinois' fiscal irresponsibility over the last 20 years and, and over the last five years um, means that we have to use most of that for debt service. Um, so she's right. That is the best use for it at this point. Um, but it's unfortunate that we didn't make the right choices earlier. Uh, we can't go back in time, but we should make those choices now. And, and that means things like, like structural pension reform, things like school district efficiency. That was what I was alluding to earlier. So that the money's making it to the classroom. That's going to be the final word. We are out of time. Adam Schuster, thank you very much. Adam is with the Illinois Policy Institute, and I thank him very much for spending this half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 